Welcome in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network every single day. If it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, it's a big deal to us and we're going to talk about it. I turned into a Broadway uh, show, like a Richard Simmons almost type thing there. Uh, my name is Jake. You're really silent. You're just making just, me feel I'm like just, I'm out in the wind. I'm just, I'm just waiting for you to... Pull it together. <laughs> You're going to be waiting a long time, my friend. The voice on the other end there is Kyle Tucker from The Athletic. Uh, I won't let you speak for yourself. My name is Jay Kyle Mann, uh, and I am a video producer for The Ringer. So uh, we were going to do this last night, but uh, I I told Kyle, I was like, hey, you know, we need to do this early because I'm going out with some of my friends. And he was like, no, 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 we can't do that. Everything, the world revolves around him. So so then when we were finally ready to go, it was like 1230, something like that. And I was <laughs> yeah. falling asleep and I was just like, I'm not doing it. I refuse. So we're doing it this morning. Sorry, everybody, for that inconvenience. Kyle, how you doing, though? Good, good. I'm uh, about to head out the door when we finish this and go speak to a journalism class at the University of Kentucky and uh, fill their heads with uh, fear and, and loathing about uh, oh the, my state God. Of, the state of sports journalism now. Not really, but... Uh, what a time for you to go, though, for right. real. On the, day, on the day after, yeah, the day after Sports Illustrated gets burned to the ground, uh, which we're going to talk about, I think, but... Uh, well, let's yeah. just, I mean, uh, let's talk yeah, about we can, it. Yeah, we can talk about it. We can start with that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really depressing. I mean... You know, you see a lot of sports writers on Twitter talking about it and sort of lashing out about it at the new terrible ownership group. Um, but I, I mean, I don't think it's just sports writers. I mean, I think it's sports fans. Um, you know, kids who grew up on Sports Illustrated or there's millions of us. Um, Me included. Know, I, yeah, I had. You know, I would I would run down the driveway and get it and read it. You know, I would flip to. It was, this was back when Rick Riley was like at the peak of his game. He sort of become kind of a cartoonish uh, parody of himself uh lately but i mean rick riley was as good as it got in terms of a columnist mm -hmm. and, and he was on the back page and i would run and get that and i would flip two places i would flip to the steve russian column who he was incredible uh i believe he's married to rebecca lobo <laughs> uh oh, really? an interesting couple but he was just like the, the like hilarious really funny really creative columnist they had it kind of in the middle of the magazine and then the back page was rick riley who just was a, an all-star and then i mean every everything he wrote was great and then i and then you know i would read those like before i'd even get to the house with my magazine and then you sit down and and have these just epic alexander long, Wolf and, yeah, uh, yeah yeah i mean some of the, the greatest ever uh, ever to do it. Gary Smith, I mean, it's probably the, the greatest magazine, I mean, that I'm aware of, certainly in sports, the greatest magazine writer ever. Um, Gary Smith sort of famously said, I think said that he would, would interview at least a hundred people when he was profiling somebody before he even started writing. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, it didn't even quote most of them. It was just to, to really understand the people he wrote about. Anyway, the point is the stories were so rich and, and well done and well reported and obviously well written uh, that you you just really got to know the, the the figures in sports that you cared about through Sports Illustrated. And they had what? beautiful photography. You know, yeah. those covers were like well, kind of iconic. 
the meticulousness and the research that went into it, the thoughtfulness, it's just uh, something that the rapidness of the times has sort of compromised in some ways, which is something we will get into. But then also I was going to say another part of the magazine that people don't, I don't hear people talk about very often was uh, that uh, little section in the beginning called faces in the crowd, oh, yeah, which yeah. is basically a whole industry now. Like that's that, that page. Cause I remember I used to go on there and try to see like, if there were like players, like basketball players that were in high school or something. I remember one time, the most notable one I remember was Shane Battier was in there when he oh, was in high school. And this was like before the recruiting boom like really took off. So that would have been like 1997, I guess, like right before it took off. But um, yeah, it's just, it's wild how, uh, how things have expanded. But yeah. yeah, it was like this little, little snippet every week where you got to like, oh wow, there's a kid in Colorado who uh, <laughs> scored 50 points in five consecutive high school basketball games or yeah, whatever, yeah. you know, like uh, it was pretty cool. Or some running back would have like 500 rushing yards. Um, but it's, yeah, it's sad. So, you know, Sports Illustrated is kind of been on the steady decline and really the one of the biggest failings is they like like newspapers i mean it's, there's a lot of similarity there just really slowly and poorly adjusted to the internet age mm-hmm. i mean si's website was one of the worst experiences you could have you know all you could hardly get through reading an article on there it was just like ads and you know just it was bad um you know, and then they became, I think they also kind of got away from what they did well in some ways and tried to, you know, their social media presence is kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything kind of became like clickbaity. And it's like, that's that's not what you are. You know, you're the, <laughs> you're the bastion of like uh, stuff that matters. And, and um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I could diagnose exactly what went wrong with SI, but uh, there were still a lot of great people there and they were still doing a lot of great work. Uh, and this group, they've kind of been bandied around. They've they've changed hands uh, two or three times in the last few years in ownership groups. Um, and essentially like a, a, a licensing group bought them that, that sort of manages iconic brands, I guess, and just tries to profit off their, <laughs> their uh, long-standing fame. And then that group... Um, basically licensed out the rights to Sports Illustrated to this random startup uh, run by a couple of jackals, as <laughs> best I can tell, um, one of whom ran, started and then ran Scout.com into the ground, and everyone who's ever worked for this guy has nothing but bad things to say. Uh, it's really bad. And uh, and they come on board, and, and yesterday's saga was really crazy to watch. So late what Wednesday night mm-hmm. it came out that like employees at sports illustrated got emails that there was going to be this like reorganization meeting. And then they all started comparing notes and they found out that there were two groups of people getting these emails and one group uh, was at one time and another group was at another time. So they all assume like, okay, one of us, one of these groups were all getting laid off and the other group was all safe which is a horrible, must be a horrible feeling and trying to figure out which group you're in. Been through it. It's terrible. Yeah. And then 15 minutes before the meetings were supposed to start yesterday, they got canceled and it came out that they actually hadn't finalized the deal with the, with the jackals. And so they couldn't, I guess, legally lay these people off, you know, 
And so there's this whole day of limbo. And then late in the afternoon, they finally call in. They basically laid off half the staff at Sports Illustrated. Uh, You saw all these incredibly talented people out there, you know, tweeting that they, after X number of years, I'm gone. And um, having gone through that a year ago uh, with SEC country, and they just brought us all in and and vaporized the entire company. Mm -hmm. um, It's a horrible feeling. But to have been at Sports Illustrated, I can't even imagine. That's everyone's dream job. It what was, are you going to tell these dream. kids? <laughs> my dream job. I know. The, the, I should just play this recording and then say, listen, don't do it. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, it's so funny. Yeah, uh, uh, it's your it's, future. It's, it is really a bummer, though. Um, yeah. You know, I just... Uh, I don't know. It's It's... Hard to see that happen to Sports Illustrated. You know, it's yeah. a place I aspired to work my whole life. I actually talked to them about a job. I was in a situation when I was trying to decide what I was going to do this time last year, um, where I could have gone either way. Uh, I'm really glad I ended up at the Athletic. I well, can't imagine if I was like uh, getting laid off again for the second time <laughs> in a year. I can. Uh, uh, well, I've done that too. I can. T- I can attest though that when we were having the conversations about that last year you were talking about going there and i was like uh this is kind of behind the curtain for people not to but uh your other offers just the way you described them to me sounded a lot better and then when you but when you started talking the one like irrational overriding thing that kept making you come back to sports illustrated was this just uh like glowing uh, affinity you have for them. Yeah. It's like, oh, your other offers sound better, but you're like, man, Sports Illustrated. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, like, uh, and this is, it is irrational, but one of the things I think I told you, I know it was one of the things I was saying was like, like everyone I was talking to, you know, including we, at uh, the Athletic has a ton of former Sports Illustrated staffers, writers and editors. Yeah. Um, most recently, Andy Staples. Um, and I was talking to a bunch of different people all around the industry and some some of the people who had worked at Sports Illustrated and, and like the advice was pretty universally like, don't do that. Don't go there. Like, I know you think that's a big, you know, like that's a great brand, but don't, it's not good right now. And the thing I kept coming back to was that it was, it's Sports Illustrated gives people a feeling, you know, like it ties mm-hmm. you to like, like your childhood and the, the best time to be a sports you know, fan or a sports reader. Uh, and I kept thinking like, but I want my dad to be able to say like, my son works, <laughs> works. At sp- I mean, seriously, one of the thoughts yeah. I had was like, I want my dad to be able to tell his friends that his son works at sports illustrated. But the, um, a- the, the athletic has sort of taken the mantle though, of the, pr- like the treating, treating sports with like c- careful and thoughtful pros. Like yeah. I, I, feel, I feel like the athletic has taken that. And, so, somebody yeah. replied to me yesterday when I was tweeting about the SI news that uh, the athletic is what SI's online presence should have been. Um, yeah. And I think that's right. And like the other way I try to think about it, when I, if I guess if I'm making a pitch to people to subscribe to the athletic so that we can continue doing what we do, one of the things I think is really cool about it is it's almost like, I mean, I'm not saying it is to this level, but that's what we aspire to. Like it, uh, all the programs that we cover or the, uh, the pro teams we cover, it's like, it's like having a sports illustrated just for your team. Cause yeah. you know, we're not trying to just crank out quick hitting stuff. We're trying to, you know, once a week or a couple times a month, like give you 
a home run, you know, like something that really goes deep on your favorite team, your favorite player, your favorite coach um, that well, really spends it? some time with it. And I think like, I think that's why people love to read sports illustrated. And I hope, I hope it's why people uh, feel like it's worth the subscription to us because people do now, I, I think is now more than ever. I don't think sports illustrated died because people don't want to read in depth stories anymore. I, I don't think it was that at all. I think it was a mismanagement of the business model, but um Anyway, but yeah, let's, it, uh, let's hold on. Let's, let's pause and take a break and we'll wrap that up and then segue into your, your, your story that's in the athletic. So let's take a break real quick. So you, we were talking about just sort of, uh, what caused SI to this episode isn't all about SI. It's just really interesting. I <laughs> it's know, a, it's but, a huge, I think it's a huge deal to sports people, anybody that has an interest in sports. It's, it a, is. Yeah. I don't well, know how the thing goes forward as, uh, you know. No. Uh, I think they're going to have to start over, man. Like, it's going to have to be like, uh, well, you, you were, t- it, what's interesting to me about the athletic is that um, you guys are almost a response. Like, SI just didn't evolve at the right time in the right way. And then, like, they didn't get into, they didn't handle multimedia online very well. They didn't handle social very well. They didn't get, you know, it was like, they, the, and, and it's hard, I guess, to evolve when you've got this thing that's working. And it's like, if you don't, if you don't constantly have a mindset of, of innovation and like updating what you do, like the most toxic thing you can do, I feel like as a company and not that I'm an expert, but I've seen people and heard people talk about this and I believe it's true is that if you don't constantly have a mindset of reinventing what you do or being open to reinventing what you do, you're, you're gonna, you're, you're at risk to, to have the faith that SI did, like if you're not willing to adapt. Like, yeah, I, I mean, no matter how good the people are, um, you know, there's always some, there's always other people for one that are coming and trying to kind of like poach, <laughs> poach, uh, you know, your audience. And yeah, I just think, I think, yeah, in any kind of business, if you don't sort of see a few steps ahead, um, and see where the industry is going and try to prepare for that. And that's, it's something SI really poor did poorly. And it's something newspapers did. I mean, absolutely horribly. I think the whole fate of, of journalism might've been different if newspapers, like from the day that the internet became kind of, it came, became clear that the internet was going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they had handled it differently. I mean, if, if, if there had been an expectation set, from day one that you pay for content that like, because people, people who wanted to read the newspaper already were accustomed to pay a subscription fee. People yeah. who uh, wanted to read sports illustrated were already accustomed to paying a subscription fee. They, they happily did that. But when it started all getting dumped out for free, there's no putting that genie back in the bottle almost, right. you know, like, well, I, I, I'm used to getting your product for free. There's no chance I'm paying for it. And especially when you keep doing it the same way. So, Well, when the race for speed and, and you know, getting there, the free stuff just was there faster and faster, Stuff, thoughtful stuff like what you're doing and the and guys at The Athletic do uh, has suddenly has value because there's not as much of it out there. There's people that, you know, there's not as many. The talented people are seeing this race, I feel like, and are like, let's maybe back up and bow out and do something different, which yeah. is a good pitch for what you do and what you, what you did and your article, I guess we should talk about UK at some point on this podcast. <laughs> uh, 
You wrote an article about uh, a poll that you've done. You've done it two years now, but well, since you've been at the athletic, right? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've uh, I mean, I do some version of this pretty much every year where I try to use these uh, mass uh, interview opportunities to just kind of go around and focus in on a couple questions and ask everybody while they're a captive audience, get, get a, a, a representative survey of the team. And sometimes it's different questions, but, but this year, uh, one of the things I try to ask every year is, you know, who's, who's, who are we sleeping on? Like, who's the guy that nobody's talking about that we should be thinking about? Um, and uh, two years ago, it was Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, I mean, I went out to, I went out to um, Colorado. And so there were all those Kentucky guys out there. It was, uh, I think, Hami, PJ, and Kevin Knox were out there. And uh, I asked them, and I think I asked Cal, all, and they all said, like, without hesitation, like, Shea Gilgis, Shea Gilgis Alexander is better than anybody understands. And that turned out to be pretty yeah. <laughs> that spot out, on. That turned out to be pretty spot on. So, Jerry West um, would not let them pry. <laughs> Jerry West almost, like, upended a deal because he didn't want to trade Shea Gilgis yeah. Alexander. That says something, people. You should think about that one. But anyway, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, Jerry West, uh, when Jerry West really wants to hold on to a player, you should assume that that player is fantastic um, yeah. or is about to be. Um, so, yeah, so this year I asked two questions. I, I talked to all 10 scholarship guys at Kentucky, um, and I asked them two questions. One, uh, who most consistently, like, wowed you this summer, it, you know, between pickup games and workouts and practices? Who just, like, made you say, wow over and over and over again. And then the other was who, who among the four returning players, um, veteran guys looks like they're poised for a breakthrough. And it was close. There were, you know, there was no runaway winner. Uh, but I thought one of the most interesting things was that, um, Tyrese Maxey on the, who's consistently wowed you. He's on that list. That doesn't surprise anybody, but one other freshman tied him <clears throat> in the voting. And that was Keon Brooks. And we've started to talk about him a fair amount on this podcast but uh his teammates are very very high on him um you know i and i was talking to dante allen about him and i said is sneaky the right word and he said that's perfect that's him he's sneaky he's long he's lanky might look a little thin but he's strong and he's explosive and he's a special talent for sure um you know and then all these guys talked about it which we mentioned a little bit Apparently, dude just jumps out of the gym. Like, he's the best jumper in the gym, the best dunker in the gym. Um, uh, Keon Brooks is definitely a guy that we should put on the on the list of, like, don't sleep on this dude. Mm -hmm. And he sort of hovers in that middle, like, Michael Kidd Gilchrist range where it's like he's pretty switchable, like, athletic enough. I don't know. I haven't paid attention a lot to his, like, center of gravity as a player, which can kind of affect the, the, the quickness of the players that can guard. But... Uh, whether it's too high, you know, like if you got right. a lower center of gravity, you can kind of hang with smaller players. But uh, yeah, and then also uh, it's interesting that Kentucky has these two kind of tools on the team in Whitney and Brooks, which I, I assume is going to really help out in alleviating some of those kind of positional concerns that they have, that maybe that strength can compensate for maybe some of the bulk they don't have. Yeah, I mean, Khalil Whitney looks like a, uh, you know, I mentioned in the piece, like there's a lot of buzz about him that he's basically Alex Poitras with a motor, which is, I, I think, thought that was interesting. Yeah. I think yeah. could be huge. Um, you know, Manuel quickly said, Keon's head's always over the rim. Some of the dunks that him and Khalil do, we'll just be standing around for a couple seconds. Like, what did he just do? 
um yeah they're, you know, those, they're freaks yeah <laughs> they're yeah and uh you know so i, I think I think that's going to be um, really interesting. Nate Sestina said of Khalil Whitney. So, so uh, you know, it's not, I don't. I didn't just focus in on the guys who led the voting. I mentioned a couple of others, and uh, Nate Sestina said Khalil Whitney's athletic ability is something that I've never seen before. <laughs> um, of course, he was also at Bucknell, and I imagine that's really jarring to go from like practicing with guys at Bucknell to uh, practicing with Khalil Whitney. Yeah. Um, but then in, in terms of the veterans, I thought also interesting and not, and not really surprising after hearing Cal Perry talk um, this summer and really brag on this guy. But in terms of the veteran uh, that is poised to break out in a narrow uh, vote, uh, Emmanuel quickly took that one. Um, and he's a guy that is just, I think, um, really impressed, especially when you talk to the freshmen, he's really impressed those guys with just how hard he works. Mm -hmm. uh, by all accounts, quickly is in there at six in the morning. He's in there at midnight. Um, uh, we talked about Tyrese Maxey starting the Breakfast Club, I believe. I think we talked about that. If not, he did. Uh, something he started doing as a sophomore in high school, like getting up and taking teammates to go work out first thing in the morning before school. Um, and he's been doing that here at Kentucky. And the one guy that Maxey told me comes with him every day or came with him every day uh, was Emmanuel Quickly. And those guys have really – um, really kind of sharpened each other. Um, okay. and, and that was something Dante Allen said about quickly. He said he's grinded this whole summer, put his mind and his soul into it. You can just see it every morning, 6 a.m. You see him in the gym. Um, and then I, I thought it was notable that quickly basically said, he said, I, I deferred some last season and I'm not going to, I'm not trying to be selfish, but I need to be more aggressive this year. And by all accounts has been that. So, yeah. Um, and there's, there's thoughts on EJ, EJ Montgomery in the piece. There's uh, some thoughts about Nick Richards. I thought Johnny Juzang had some really interesting things to say about Nick Richards. He's, let's, yeah. uh, hold on. Let, we got, we need to take a break. We'll finish on that. Okay. Sounds, yeah. Let's take a break. So you said Juzang said some interesting things about, well, I read it, but you, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I won't, uh, I feel like I'm going to give away the whole, whole piece here. So, but I will say that like, Johnny Juzang, uh, I think Keon Brooks, or a couple others. When you talk to the freshmen and you start talking to them about Nick Richards, about like, um, you know, do you think you can put it all together? They're almost like, what are you talking about? He looks awesome. You know, like they haven't been here to know that he's been kind of underachieving and he's had these ups right. and downs and had he's had preseasons where people said maybe he'll break through and he didn't. Um, they all just talk about Nick like, holy crap, there's this huge dude who's freakishly athletic. Uh, like, of course he's going to be a good player for us. So I thought that was interesting as well. No, I think Nick will be a good player. I think it's just simplifying, you know, and I yeah. even think Cal said that. It's just yes. simplifying what he does. Um, something else that you said <laughs> that made me laugh was you said you called EJ Montgomery a stick man, which in, in my <laughs> from what I've heard, that has a different meaning. <laughs> anyway, EJ Montgomery <laughs> being a stick man is a whole other story. <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and it's always just funny to hear like the I think I think Kentucky fans we're we're reaching like peak restlessness where fans are starting to really like uh 
buy in or sort of um, they want get a lot of mileage out of yeah get a lot of mileage out of like well he's stronger oh yeah can you believe how strong he is it's like every single season players add weight and it's funny like some seasons when guys come in they don't necessarily add functional strength like they just get too big or have to kind of i feel like briscoe got too big one one year do you remember that briscoe as a sophomore was a dump truck yeah (laughs) yeah he was he was large and in charge he was like a he was like a little charles barkley point guard yeah it was was weird looking um he was a weird guy all the way around weird weird (laughs) player at kentucky seems like it but um yeah like i guess the uh the other thing we wanted to kind of touch on was well did you have is there were there any other thoughts on that no, you, no. I, nah. I, you people sign up and go read that story yourself. We gave uh, you a good reason <laughs> earlier. The pitch you gave in the first segment was great for the athletic. I, I like that. Uh, you weren't meaning to do that, but uh, let's talk about recruiting. So yeah. there's there's been some some news here. We first we were going to talk about uh, Devin Askew. There was like a little tidbit on that, right? Well, he's visiting this weekend, and and I you know I think they're really close to locking that down. Um, you know, and I just. We've said it, but I mean, if if they get Devin Askew with Terrence Clark, with BJ Boston, with Cameron Fletcher, that I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be anybody else in the country that has a backcourt better than that. Um, it's going to be really good, uh, and I think I think Askew is a is a a really ideal guy. I mean, Cade Cunningham is the ideal guy, but I don't think they get him. And uh, you know, barring having the best player in America. Uh, as a facilitator for what's going to be a really overall talented team, I think Askew is a great fit, and I think he's going to come to Kentucky. And in that case, they're going to have a great backcourt. They're going to probably, probably be the number one recruiting class, um, and that will be partially dictated by the guy uh, who Calipari just visited for the second time, Isaiah Jackson, uh, the six nine kid who uh, Cal Perry was out there, I think, yesterday, um, has visited him twice in recent weeks and, and visited him right after he cut his list. Uh, he cut his list to three, Alabama, Kentucky, and Syracuse. Uh, I don't see how you go anywhere but Kentucky if that's your final three. Um, you know, there may be other circumstances, but I, I really like Kentucky's chances. I've thought they... He was he and Lance Ware were the two two uh-huh. quote unquote big guys that they could get, and they've already gotten Ware. Uh, and we've mentioned this too. I I think the strategy now going forward for Kentucky is going to be to get these sort of six nine ish, six ten ish, EJ Montgomery type uh, big men and fill in with their true five man as a graduate transfer year after year after year. There seems um, to be some pace and space thinking behind this. I don't know if I don't know if they're intentionally doing roster construction this way like if they're if they because this just like legion of wings and I think I actually think Askew is is pretty I mean, for now, you got to you got to kind of think about it in two different ways. You got to think about like, okay, well, how is this guy going to develop for the NBA? And that's great for the product and the marketing and everything. But also, how are you going to? What's going to give you the best chance to win right now? Right. Um, like, and ask you, ask you might be just as good of like an optimized fit for that uh, for for that group of wings. Like, and you're talking about like a lot of guys that can. I don't know. It almost has like a like a feeling like some of those dribble drive teams. Like there's just a lot of a lot of like flexible, switchable guys that can get out and go and and create. Um, yeah, Clark. 
I don't, yeah, I, I, do you see what I'm getting at with like the yeah. roster construction thing there? Yeah, like it, it definitely seems like that that might be where they're going with that. Yeah, yeah I don't think it's, you know, I think for a long time, in, to some extent, Calipari has basically just been like, let's get who we, whoever the best players we can get, you know, and, and figure out how they fit together. Uh, let's, let's, you know, and, and really aired on the side of big and athletic. Um, and I just, I think now he's actually, it seems like, it just seems like the way this team is being constructed, that he's being a little more thoughtful in, uh, in how it all works, how all the pieces fit together to build, and especially to build kind of a modern roster. Um, I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that Jackson is the perfect complement to wear because he's just got that, he's got a nasty streak. He tries to dunk everything. Ware is sort of a, a more of a finesse, you know, intangible ball skill kind of a guy. I mean, he's coming along as a shooter, but I actually think Jackson might be a better shooter. But uh, I like Jackson. I'm I'm, uh, I'm interested to see if they can they can pick him up. But uh, I don't know. You got anything else? I think that's it. We didn't talk any really any football much football this week because they're off. But they uh, are. we'll be back. We'll be back to talking football to set the stage next week. There's been a lot of a lot of video and and. Uh, photos of Lynn Bowden working at quarterback. I mean, it looks like this is a real deal. Like he's their quarterback for at least this, this coming up week. Um, we'll talk about that next week, but no, I'm good. We're, it will be next week will be big. We'll be talking about Kentucky getting back at it in football and Lynn Bowden at quarterback and it'll be big blue madness week. Yep. Big times ahead. Uh, and you should have somebody record your talk because I'd be interested to hear what you're going to say to those kids. Uh, don't do it. It's all bad. of you. Okay, Turn kids. back. Every, okay, kids, all of you stand up and walk out of this room and don't ever come back. Go uh, back no. to the registrar. <laughs> so ask, please ask them why they let you uh, major in journalism. No, we need, we need people. We need young people doing it, and there are always going to be jobs for people who are good at it. That's one thing I'll probably say today. There will always, and those people that got laid off by Sports Illustrated, I would guess we'll probably hire a bunch of them at The Athletic, and uh, other good places will too. If you're one of the best people in your industry, you will find the job somewhere at some point. Yeah, it's true. All right, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, Well, actually, we'll see you on Monday. I always do that, so whatever. (laughs) But uh, follow me at jkyleman on Twitter. Follow Kyle at kyletucker underscore ATH. Subscribe to The Athletic. Subscribe to the Ringer YouTube page and give us a review and say hey, and we'll see you next time. are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.